invitation. It is extraordinarily humbling for me to be part of, uh, of this panel to celebrate the great Leonard Cohen. I grew up on Cohen's music and in fact took my first steps in the English language by translating his songs with the help of an old Spanish-English dictionary. I vividly remember my first encounter with the very word humbled as I made my way through one of Cohen's many masterpieces, Humbled in Love. So yes, this is very, very humble, humbling. Being here is also remarkably challenging for me. I do know uh, Cohen's music well, but simply because I like it very much. I have no expertise in literary analysis or in musicology. I'm only a moral philosopher, and while <clears throat> moral themes abound in Cohen's work, I do not want to overinterpret him. I do not think that he did moral philosophy, at least not in the standard sense of presenting arguments, offering analyses, or constructing theories. I am thus bereft of my usual working tools. I have neither objections nor counter-arguments to offer. Thus, appropriating Cohen's words, I can at once confess, you will never see a man this naked. Still, with trepidation, I would like to suggest that Cohen's lyrics do tend to exhibit a certain characteristic that resonates well with my recent work and with a central preoccupation of a handful of moral philosophers, of contemporary moral philosophers. The preoccupation concerns the picture of the moral universe presupposed by many mainstream moral philosophers. My point of departure will be unavoidably arbitrary, an isolated line from one of Cohen's songs. It is, of course, a remarkable testament to the depth and richness of his music that so many of Cohen's lines could have served me as a point of departure. So the line is, everybody got this broken feeling, like their father or their dog just died. I like dogs as much as the next person, but there surely are major differences between mourning the passing of one's dog and mourning the passing of one's father. On my interpretation, this line pokes fun at a certain flattening of moral experience, a flattening that is common also amongst mainstream moral philosophers. Within moral philosophy, the most famous culprit of this sort of flattening is utilitarianism, which is a theory, uh, ethical theory, that seeks to reduce everything to quantifiable units of utility. From the utilitarian perspective, ultimately the only difference, if any, between the death of one's dog and the death of one's father is the amount of dissatisfaction that each of these events may generate. Utilitarians think that all states of satisfaction can be compared on a single spectrum. There are for them no qualitative differences between any two dissatisfactions. And it is against this background of pervasive flattening of human experience amongst my colleagues in moral philosophy that I read this line by Cohen and in fact most of his music. There is a small group uh, of moral philosophers who have written against uh, or in favor of the complexity of moral life, of recognizing this complexity and of the sort of conflicts that are generated therein. These authors insist that in addition to mere moral costs, moral stains also exist. These moral stains are rarely expressible as moral costs and therefore are rarely ledgerable. Yet, moral stains can conflict with moral costs in ways that do not often resolve neatly. They leave remainders. Sometimes these conflicts are tragic in the sense that whatever one chooses, one does wrong. Sometimes they give rise to paradoxical situations such as that we should feel a kind of guilt for the sins of the father or even guilt or a special sort of moral feeling known by specialists as agent regret for doing the right thing Sometimes we cannot help but harm those we love and violate the principles we cherish. Sometimes we must get our hands dirty. And these are amongst, in my opinion, the most salient themes in Cohen's music. 
the most celebrated of these moral philosophers, who questions the sort of moral philosophy that avoids these conflicts, and a major influence in my work was Bernard Williams. He rejected the ledgerization of life by means of what he called the morality system, built around an oppressive and economistic notion of, obliga of obligation, such that we cannot escape acting either in accordance or against an obligation, and such that only another moral obliga obligation could release us from any moral obligation. While Williams is uh, widely recognized as a brilliant philosopher, he is also often assumed to be cryptic, obscure, impractical, a new romantic, and hopelessly pessimistic. As it turns out, these were the sorts of descriptions regarding Cohen's music I heard when I arrived to the United States in the early 90s. Probably the most consistent reaction I heard about Cohen's music concerned its alleged pessimism. Friends would refer to it as suicide music. I have always found this interpretation of Cohen's music to be based on a superficial appreciation of his lyrics, a superficiality that, incidentally, may shed light on that oddity whereby Cohen enjoyed much more respect in non-English-speaking countries, though one assumes from people who understood English, even if with the help of a dictionary, than in English-speaking countries. And here the connection, connection with Williams resurfaces. Williams begins his masterpiece refutation of utilitarianism by quoting uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. Man does not strive for happiness. Only the Englishman does that. The pun, of course, is on the influence that utilitarianism and its attendant superficiality, itself fueled by a sort of furor mathematicus, exerted upon the English, though nowadays upon Anglo-American philosophy more generally. Neither Cohen nor Williams ever struck me as particularly gloomy, even though they both engage from their respective perspectives with the complexity of life, a life that is just not as simple-mindedly merry as some would want it to be. So I'd like to see Leonard Cohen as the Bernard Williams of, of music, or if you prefer, Bernard Williams as the Leonard Cohen of philosophy. Going against the grain of their particular cultural contexts, each spoke about the complexity of our moral and emotional life. As I said at the outset, I do not wish to turn Cohen into a philosopher, but he was a perceptive witness to the complexities of, of human interactions and to human frailties and imperfections. Complicated characters and scenes, anti-heroes and beautiful losers of the sort theorized by Williams often inhabit Cohen's songs. I can here just end by offering a few glittering glimpses. On the incongruity between destiny and merit, recall, recall his lines in Came So Far For Beauty. I practice on my sainthood, I gave to one and all, but the rumors of my virtue, they moved her not at all. Relatedly, on the unavoidability of tragic choices, recall, one of us cannot be wrong. I heard of a saint who had loved you. I studied all night in his school. He thought that the duty of lovers is to tarnish the golden rule. On the dignified ambivalence of the cuckolded Cohen's confession to his wife's lover in famous Blue Raincoat, what can I tell you, my brother, my killer? What can I possibly say? I guess that I miss you. I guess I forgive you. I'm glad you stood in my way. I'll skip the other, I have more glimpses, many, many more in fact, but uh, I just go to my last paragraph. Uh, November 9, 2016 was, if I may quote from what I think was Cohen's only cover, though one which he injected with remarkable new meaning, by singing it to the famous, uh, singing the fami famous Canadian traditional to the tune of mariachi music, un jour triste et pensif. That day found me in New York City, walking not far from Cohen's beloved Chelsea Hotel, when I received a phone call from my partner telling me about Cohen's passing. 
It, alre it already was very much a sad and pensive day for me as I in vain, in vain tried to comprehend the results of the United States election just a few hours earlier. And as the lines from uh, Canadien Iran, Mon pays, malheureux, were very much in my mind. At the worst time, Cohen's voice has become still. He will indeed sing no more. But I want to believe that even when it gets scary out there, it may make sense to say, well, never mind. It's ugly, but we have his music.